Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast, a weekly woodworking podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Phil Huber, and I'm joined today by my other co-hosts, Logan Wimmer and John Doyle. So stick around for the Shop Notes podcast. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques to furniture projects to shop projects, you'll find it all at Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com. Okay, a few weeks ago, we did a podcast uh, affectionately titled, What Grinds Your Chisels? Talking about things about woodworking that can be a little aggravating. So uh, we'll flip the script here a little bit and talk about the things that make you happy about woodworking. We could all use a little bit of happy. Yeah, we could all use a little happy this year. Why? What's going on? (laughs) Everything. Everything. (laughs) You don't even know where we. It's just 2020, man. Yeah. True. So who wants? Who wants to start? John. Um. What's the opposite of miters? I like the reverse miter. Butt joints. Butt joints. That's my favorite. That makes me happy. Um, Things that make me happy. What are a few of my favorite things? Um, Something that rarely ever happens is walking up to the router table or table saw and the bit that or blade you were going to use is in there, set up, ready to go. And it's sharp. It's funny because it's like changing out a bitter blade is pretty easy, but sometimes you just like can't be bothered to do that. It's like, oh, <laughs> so disappointing. So like when that happens or like you, you're trying to sneak up on the perfect setting for that bitter blade and you just hit it on the first shot, it's like, right. dang, I'm good. So those make me happy. Well, you just, so you know what's mm-hmm. funny is like Chris Fitch doesn't worry about changing the blade like no. he cross cuts with his dado blade and three quarter inch dado blade <laughs> yes like it's nothing <laughs> like it's butter yeah. and it doesn't matter even if it's installed backwards no he doesn't care no he's the chuck that's what, happens. <laughs> that's, that's what makes chris happy is when he cross cuts with a dado blade backwards still gets clean cuts yeah that's right well, I was making a bookcase project for my kids for their school at home work and had the opportunity in making the base. I used some white oak pieces that I had and I wanted the um, the base assembly to kind of lap over each other. And I got to use my router plane and that's one of the things that's one of my favorite things is being able to use a router plane or having a router plane to use because it's such uh, such a delight for some reason and I don't know why it's just satisfying the way that it works and the results you get from it and even in using it I don't know maybe it's just it doesn't seem like a tool that on the surface doesn't look like a tool that it's very important but I've come to rely on it. Yeah. I think too, just, um, 
after you sharpen a hand tool uh, blade or you change out the planer blades or joiner blades and it's just like cutting like smooth as glass and it's like yes that would last for like a day it doesn't have any chips or <laughs> nobody's run nails this through is it. the essence of it's like <laughs> woodworking's easy when you have sharp tools it's makes you feel good right Which, i mean there is some validity to that right like when when there is uh if you're using hand tools in particular like you know i'm sitting here with a chisel next to me okay Here's a chisel when it's sharp, it's beautiful. It's easy. It's effortless. It's effortless to use. Uh, but when it's not sharp, then it doesn't work. I mean, it's just as simple as that. Like it's it's dangerous. It doesn't give good results. Like if your plane blade's sharp, it's easy to use. Sharp fixes everything for right. the most part. Like yeah. sharp compensates yeah. for lack. And it's like once you get good at at sharpening. Like your chisels or plain blades, then it's like you want to do it all the time. Mirror polish every day. So it's when you <laughs> let it go for weeks or months or a year, and then you really have to do a lot of work to get things sharpened, then it's like kind of gets to be a drag. So you know what makes me feel good in the workshop is getting a good glue joint. Like not even like yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. Building something, finishing something feels great, but that moment when you pull off the clamps, scrape off the glue, and you can't see the glue joint, there's nothing better than that, right? right. It's like yes, I finally got it right. Right. You get the two pieces like perfectly <laughs> jointed. You get that perfect amount of squeeze out. It's not like running all over the place and. Well, and in particular, I was thinking about, uh, so yes, yesterday, I don't know what day it is anymore. We were filming this week, we were filming some birdhouses. And I came in preemptively. I was thinking I was doing a solid and gluing up props beforehand. It's like the old cooking show, put it in the oven, and look, it's all done already. So I was gluing up a, a staved birdhouse. And it didn't work. Like, it was like, I, John and Phil, you guys were both there, and right. I glued all these staves together, and it's 20 staves. So there's a total of, what, 40 joints? Well, there's 40 miters, right? Yeah, there's yeah. 40 miters on it. And I glued everything up, and I rolled it together, and it wouldn't come together. I was like, what the crap? I suck at woodworking. I quit. And after <laughs> Phil got done saying, finally... It was like, well, I'm going to force it together. <laughs> so I forced it together, and it looks like crap, okay? And it looks – I can make it work because I'll just paint that birdhouse, right? Like, it, it, it's fine. It's a circle. Right now, it's a circle birdhouse, but it looks like crap. Uh, so the following day, I brought in uh, my digital angle gauge for the table saw to make these bevel cuts. And I found out that the blade – uh, the the gauge I used to set it the day beforehand was off by about a degree and a half, which, like John said, in 360 degrees, that's not that bad. <laughs> but with uh, a degree sure. off on each joint, and there's 40 of them, it ends up adding up, right? So I reset it, 
And during the course of filming that episode, I glued up two of these staves, of these staved cylinders, basically. And I'll be danged, but they both turn out fantastic. The one that I could not get glued up on camera because the staves kept falling apart and it just looked like a disaster. So I ended up, I had enough staves, so I reshot it. Uh, and that's the one that everybody will see on the TV show episode when it airs. Um, but holy crap, all 20 miters look phenomenal. Take that, John Doyle. Yeah. I my love face. miters. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what I love. I love miters. Maybe love it's miters after the third try. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, the first two tries, or the, the second two tries were great. It's yeah. just the glue up was not very elegant. We'll blame <laughs> masking tape. It wasn't sticky. Yes. Enough. Yes, the, the blue painter's tape was not sticky enough. The green painter's tape was. Good job. Good for you. Hey, thanks, buddy. I appreciate <laughs> it. It worked out great. Yeah. So that's what makes me feel good yeah. in the shop. So what do you, like, when you're setting up um, your blade angle, what is your preferred method? Like, I th did you use the Wixie digital? Yeah, the thing? one I have. Yeah, the one I have, um, I brought, so... We have three in the shop here at the magazine, and they all had dead batteries. Every single freaking one of them. Like, so I was like, I need a new angle gauge. Not, not did I say I need a new battery. I need a new angle gauge. So I just brought mine from home. Um, the one I have is this guy. It's the AccuMaster. Uh, so, yeah, I like these guys because you just you zero it out on your table, snap it to the side of your blade, and crank until it reads out right. You know, um, yeah. Well, I was gonna say that. I mean, that one's essentially the same as the Wixie or the eye gauging or it is. tilt yeah. box or whatever. They all kind of look the. Yeah, and I I feel like this is the most accurate way. <laughs> because so I used a Starrett. The one I used is to set it up the day beforehand when I was trying to make props. Um, it's a Starrett. I mean, Starrett's are super nice. They're highly engineered. They're very nicely made. It just did not work very well. And it was one of those big, like, uh, like almost like a knife hinge type ones. Mm -hmm. And it's what? just, it, it's very, yeah, it's very clumsy trying to set it up on a table saw blade. I think this is the most foolproof, foolproof option. Uh, I mean, come on, I did it. It's pretty much foolproof. Mm -hmm. You did it. I did it. And well, what I like is you can you can register off the saw plate, right? Like the blade plate instead of the, the teeth. So you just snap it to the plate, crank it till it reads out whatever angle you need. I needed a nine degree um, and it works out fantastic. Mm -hmm. So that's my preferred method. Cool. So what do you I usually do, John? Um, I like Logan says, I try to find one of those digital <laughs> angle gauges that usually none of them have batteries for some reason or working batteries. But yeah, they work pretty well when when you can find them. Otherwise, it's like just get as close you can and then guess and then recut. And then <laughs> it's like it would have been easier to just go get the battery. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what I, like? I like the fact that you can also use it on the miter saw. Sure. You know what I mean? So if you're if you're cutting a bevel on the miter saw, you can use this on the on the miter saw too, where one of those like protractor styles, they just I don't know. They don't they're they're okay. 
they're fine. Seems like they're always too long. Like yeah, the, they're trying to get they get in the way of the blade. Yeah. Teeth I'm or... gonna I'm gonna grab it so I can show people that are watching what it looks like. I was gonna say something else that one of my other things is uh, I just recently put a fresh bandsaw blade on my Wait, saw. Yeah. I think bandsaw blades go dull so gradually that you don't realize how bad they are until you switch to the new one. And then it's like, oh, that's right. So. Yeah, this is way easier. We had that too. We <laughs> had a bandsaw. I think it had a, a bad tire on it. It just sounded like you were driving down the road with a flat tire. It's like, thunk, thunk, thunk. you change that out. I got one of those. Uh, what are those? Were they from Lee Valley or something? The. The blue urethane ones? Yeah, the urethane yeah, ones. Yeah. Put those on, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is so much better. Yeah. So, so this... Just, oh, yeah. This is the style of gauge. This isn't... I couldn't find the stereo that I used, but it was this style where it's like this yeah. knife hinge type thing. And this radius is so big right here that you can't get it, like, tight up to the blade, so you're really only registering off, like, an inch of the blade and stuff, you know? So... Yeah. So this is probably good for, like, layout type stuff. But, yeah. Like, for sure set up it's a little bit more clumsy and yep so and then my beautiful one of my beautiful oh. staved uh things yeah cool yeah but I, like I you said i mean if you were to clean that up and plane it you know or whatever and paint it it would look fine mm -hmm. yeah and this happens to be this happens to be the one that was not super uh super good joints um it will it will paint just fine. Like you'll never know that there's anything wrong with it when you, when I paint it. The other ones, I mean, you couldn't see the seam. You couldn't see the glue seams, which is is awesome, especially with this vertical grain. Yeah. Head foot. I mean, it's super cool. Um, but I would agree with you, Phil. Putting a, a brand new bandsaw blade on is very satisfying. Like just the the first cut, it's like, ooh, that's nice. Like yeah. especially after especially after like, you know, I'm thinking from my sawmill standpoint it's like when the blade starts to get dull you have to start really pushing on the on the saw head but when it's a oh, brand sure. new blade it's like self-feeding like you just you hold the throttle with two fingers and then you do a fancy tap <laughs> fingers in the i'm trying to think of other things um yeah i uh, for some reason this is probably been, they've probably been around a long time but like just a couple years i discovered the flush trim router bits that have the bearing on both ends so it's like oh. a sliding mm -hmm. bit and a flush trim bit and i happen to be doing a lot of like template work i think i was building my kids um treehouse loft with like windows and they were framed out with quarter inch plywood so i was you know cutting all these holes with you know templates and stuff and it's like oh how good is it just to like don't have to change out bits or decide what side to put the template on you just change it uh <laughs> To one end or the other, depending on what bearing you want to use, and I think they're a little bit uh, bigger diameter, so it seems like there's less chatter, and so it's like right. I grab those all the time and use them for whenever I'm doing template work or cutting out patterns, and it's like seems so simple, but like oh, I love this thing. Well, I think I we see that all the time when we use the pin nailer too. I think I don't think Phil or myself grab that pin that Ryobi, you know, battery powered pin nailer that we have every time we use it. It's like, oh my god, I love this thing so much. <laughs> Same way, it's true. 
yeah, it's definitely a joy. Yeah, speaking of new tools, I talked about like so I don't remember what we were talking about several weeks ago about the getting new tools. And I said I was gonna get a new bandsaw. I finally went and got or ordered that uh Rikon, little baby Rikon bandsaw and got that shipped. I thought it was getting shipped to here uh to uh the office here and I was expecting to come and I just left the shop to go check in the warehouse because I knew it was gonna show up and I got Right at that moment, I got a text from my wife. He's like, hey, did you order a bandsaw? Because there's one sitting on our front, <laughs> front porch. It's like, oh, I chipped it home. Damn. Yeah. Like, I don't know whose that is. So. Have you used it yet? Yeah. I actually, we shot a video here uh, a couple Fridays ago of the unboxing of it. So. Kind of share that with everybody and use it. And yeah, I took it home and set it up, and it's it's just it's the cutest little thing. I mean, <laughs> how can you not love it? I so. think the funny part was is that, like you said, a, a lot of manufacturers their small benchtop saws look. No matter how they perform, they look like they should say Fisher Price on the right. side. Right. Yeah. But Seems this cheap. one, when John when John pulled it out, it just looked like a shrunk down version yeah. of the one that we have on the set. Like identical. Yeah. It's got the cast iron top and cast iron flywheels and it's just same thing, just shrunken down and perfect size well, it, shop and correct me if I'm wrong. It's not it was not like a eighty nine dollar band. So um, so, this is like more in the like four hundred dollar range. So, so yeah, so I mean, there's there's definitely a difference there. I mean, yeah, because a lot of times I think when at least when I think about a benchtop bandsaw, I'm thinking like a little. I go immediately to the mid '90s Craftsman benchtop bandsaw. Right. Yeah, you know. But so, so yeah, four hundred bucks for that, and then I mean, way cheaper than the fifteen hundred dollar full grown daddy version. So. I mean, nice yeah. little investment, and it's going to do everything that I needed to do, and and more. So nice. But what does it does it take like thirty two inch blades? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just thinking. Are we supposed to have a blade? blade? Oh yeah, yeah. That's how it cuts. The thing is, my my bandsaw blades are uh, my my mill blades are a hundred and sixty seven inches. Yeah. Um, Matt Cremona's blades are twenty five foot something. And it's like, oh, that's huge. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what size blades it has, but yeah, I came with blade. I threw it on there, so I got to order some more. Yeah, it came with like yeah. a wrench or three eighths. So, but so that's cool. New tools are fun. They you are fun. Tool that you showed try uh, showed off today. Here, your a chopstick master. Stick master. Oh, I love it. I love it. I showed it on the podcast, I think, right? Or, oh, oh yeah, you did. Yeah, you yeah. got yeah. it up, show and tell. I, I did I did purchase um, a new tool. I don't know if I mentioned this. I might mention this to you guys on the set. But uh, when we got hit with the derecho, right, I've been kind of putting off buying a new chainsaw. I mean, I have, I have – I'm not going to admit how many I have, but I have over four and less than six chainsaws. Um, but I have been put, 
I've been putting off buying a big one. They're all smaller chainsaws. So they're all like 30 to 40 CC chainsaws. So they're fairly small. And I've been putting off buying a larger one. Um, but I knew it was on. I mean, I have to at some point because some of these logs I'm getting are very big and I just can't get through them. Even cutting from both sides, I can't get through them. So this derecho was the uh, was the, the excuse I needed to purchase a larger chainsaw. Okay, so I purchased a larger um, uh, 77 cc chainsaw. So it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big saw. I have a 28 inch bar on it. And I have a 36 at home for it. I'm afraid to admit this, but I'm accessorizing my saw, and I freaking love it. Like, I bought the saw. <laughs> I bought the saw, and I now have to apologize to my wife every time I give her crap for accessorizing something. But I bought the saw with the blade and chains and stuff. And the first thing I did was I went online and ordered a full wrap handle for it. And then I ordered some new log dogs or uh, some dogs for it. And then I ordered a case for it. And I'm just accessorizing it. It's like I order a muffler for it. It's like, why am I doing this? I can't stop. I mean, what's and wrong? The big with me? extended handlebars and exactly. And yeah, it's like now I, I and I've never been one to um uh like if I own a vehicle, I don't pimp it out, right? Like that's just not me. And I've never been one to do that with stuff or modify stuff or anything, you know. Uh, but for some reason with this chainsaw, I, I am, and I feel bad. I feel dirty about it. Yeah. It, it makes me so happy. I feel a new YouTube series coming up from you called like pimp your tools or something like that. <laughs> like, there you go. You're putting rims on it. And <laughs> Spin spinners. spinners on the chainsaw blade. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what people want to see. I think so. I, I will say I yeah. did not order the uh, the heated handle for the chainsaw because yeah, that's just a little pompous, right? Like, it's summer, so it's like you really yeah need that. <laughs> yeah. So plus with my electric you gloves, your it might just chainsaw. Too hot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah my uh, derecho um, purchase. I had to go out Perfect. and get a 10-inch Craftsman pole chainsaw. <laughs> So it's like it's it's little, but it's like I was using to cut up all the branches and stuff, and yeah, it's not very big, but I wouldn't want to get in a jousting match with me, you know. <laughs> I, <think anyway. laughs> I got I got distance. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, I I got to borrow my neighbor's pole saw for cleaning up after cleaning up all the branches and stuff from the derecho in my yard and i gotta say i was impressed with how handy that was because they always seemed like toy ones like you can't do much with it other than cut up little you know branches but i had some pretty large logs down and that handled it pretty well so yeah, yeah i have uh, big silver maples and i always had one of those like lopper type pruner pole saws that you know i'd go yes. around and trim up the the silver maples with but like this is a whole nother level where it's just like swinging it like anything in a 10 foot radius is going to get cut <laughs> look out trees yeah i got a nice little kiss for my chains i burnt myself on the 
muffler while I was in the middle of trying to cut down a pecan tree. It's interesting how how much your arm touching a hot chainsaw muffler that's been running for six hours, how much it sounds like a ribeye steak getting thrown on a 600-degree grill. It would have been cool if it was one of those, like, branded, like, cutout mufflers where, like, like steel got, like, branded in your (laughs) arm. That would be awesome. And you could have been sponsored then or something. That's right. Yeah. I I hope the Germans are listening right now. (laughs) All right. So what do we got for projects? Working on anything? I'm just trying to get this uh, blast out the last of... Season 14 of the Woodsmith Shop. Get this wrapped up because it's it's ready to start airing here in just two or three weeks, right? So oh yeah, that's true. One. It so, is, yeah. So we gotta get the last the uh, last couple episodes done and out the door. Yeah. This week we did a birdhouse and a bird feeder. And I know when we had planned this season, it was just one of those things where it was like having a small project or two just to throw in there for some variety and being an outdoor project without being too large or over the top. But I have to say that those two ended up turning out a lot better than I thought that they would. Like they're legitimately fun projects to make. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's what I told Chris today when we were filming our, our what we call our round tables when it's two of us talking about it. It's like, holy cow, these are like super fun projects. And, you know, call me a hoity-toity, you know, stuck-up woodworker. I'm like, oh, birdhouse, man. Like, I'm not going and working in the garage with my dad to make a birdhouse. It sucks. It, they're like legitimately super cool projects. And I am glad I have extra parts to make a few of these because yeah. they're freaking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Kind of like the, I don't know, was it Treehouse Masters or something where they make all those tree houses, but yeah. birdhouses, birdhouse masters. Yep, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah. And the, the bird feeder has a bunch of little dollhouse uh, cedar shingles applied to the ends, which, again, I thought that was a super fussy thing that didn't need to be on there. And that it would also take hours to do. But I was pleasantly surprised that it didn't take hours to do. And the effect on the bird ha- or bird feeder was outstanding. Like it just turned into a, like this is an, this is an A-level project. Yep. Yeah, it's funny too, because I purchased the, the dollhouse, uh, cedar dollhouse shingles. They're all these individual shingles, hundreds of them. And then Chris is like, oh, yeah, I'm sure you guys got the the sheets of shingles. They just, you know, come in a sheet and you cut them out. And it's like, oh, they come in sheets, Chris? That's the thing? I'm picturing, I'm picturing John doing the, like, Lord of the Rings, Mary and Pippin thing. Like, they come in pints? Yeah. Like, you know, they come in sheets? <laughs> so now uh, I know for next time. Yeah. come in sheets. Yeah. Well, and to be fair... It is nice from a just a just a uh, workload management standpoint to mix in these smaller projects too. Mm-hmm. Like not only do our viewers uh, or for our viewers, it seems like a smaller project. To, this might be more approachable, but it's a heck of a lot easier for us four or five to to put together these smaller projects than it is big furniture projects. So 
and just from a space standpoint too because it's like the big projects take up a lot of space and you don't know where to put them and so yeah well and accessibility too because if you think of you know some of our larger furniture pieces you know like that uh dresser that we did a few years ago like that's an out that's a really large statement piece but not everybody has the space for it in their house when it's done much less building it in your shop but you know almost everyone even if you live in an apartment as long as you have a you know a porch or a patio off your place you can put a bird feeder or a birdhouse or exactly i imagine that some some people probably built that gentleman's dresser and just put it in their garage in front of their wife's car. <laughs> <laughs> I would yeah. imagine some people would do that. Right, that Phil? Would be, that, would be, that would be super weird, though. I don't know why you would do that. I mean, <laughs> shop storage. Like, I know, you right? got to spend like $1,800 on quarter on white oak to have a nice shop storage cabinet. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, well, you know, I've, I can finally see the light at the end of the camper tunnel. Like, I feel like this has just been one of those things that has been hanging over me every moment of every day that I'm at home. And it's like, I know my wife wants me to get it done. We have a camping weekend scheduled next weekend to take it out. So it's like, I got to have something done, right? Like, it has to has to be done in some form, but everything's coming together. I sprayed the window frames this week at work. I'm going to have to go load those, my truck up in a, or load those up in my truck in a little bit. Um, I, I do want some people's opinion, though. I, t- I told John and Phil, I told you guys this the other day. And I said it was too late, so I don't really I care about your opinion, but it's too late, so it's already happened. <laughs> so I just want to know if I'm dumb. Uh, we replaced the counters in it, and initially I was going to replace the, the kitchen counter and the heating surface with like some elm that I had, but it was like super heavy. Uh, it's it's been glued up for two years now. It's sitting in my garage and it's kind of cupped, so I would have to uh, take it out and flatten it, which in my mind means just throwing it on the sawmill and making two cuts to, to flatten it. Um, and it just seems like it'll be a pain in the butt. So you know what I did? Me being the uh, great woodworker that I am, I drove to Menards and bought a 30-inch wide by 8-foot long piece of glued-up pine. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what I am using for the counters in this camper. Because honestly... I don't know how long my wife will stay interested in this camper. If she does, hey, great. I'll remake the counters, right? Like I'll, I'll edge glue up a butcher's block countertop or something. Um, if, if the counters don't last, if they last, great. I mean, if they don't, I'm out 30 bucks, but it saved me hours of sweating outside trying to get these things flat. And then again, muscling them into the, the camper. So I guess my question for everybody is listening, is that a stupid idea? Like, do you think a pine counter is going to last? It's one inch thick, about 24 inches deep by six foot long. I mean, the the worst that can happen is it gets all dinged up. So what? Right. Right. I mean, the best that can happen is I spent 30 bucks on a counter and it lasts for years. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I, 
was kind of questioning it as I did it. And then once I got it installed and I didn't put a finish on it either. Uh, I just put mineral oil on it uh, to kind of give it a nice warm color. And it looks great. It actually looks great. I'll see if I can take a photo and get it uh, to fill up the show notes page. Um, but I always like, is that going to be strong enough? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in there making Thanksgiving dinner. You know, I'm not like cutting not up. Yet. Not yet. Not until we become hobos and live out yeah. of the camper like Brian Nelson does. Uh, <laughs> I hope he listens to these. He doesn't listen to these, right? He gave up on us years ago. He's like sure. not listening this long, anyways. If he was listening, he stopped a long time ago. Yeah, he's done. <laughs> uh, but you know, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if it if it lasts. I don't know. I'm just at the point where I'm like, you know what? It's done. The countertops are done. I just actually over lunch today cut the one for the bathroom. So. You know, we'll see. Yep. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think it's a legitimate, legitimate countertop. I mean, we'll allow like, it. Yeah, worst worst that can happen is I spent thirty bucks on a countertop that might last a year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, my project, like I said, was the uh, bookcase, which kind of, even though I knew that back to school was coming. But we had a specific spot where we wanted something and kind of wanted it quick. So we originally bought a small bookcase to go in there, which I know can gall some woodworkers. And I kind of die inside a little bit every time we have to buy something that I know that we could make or I could make. But uh, the bookcase that we ended up buying did not work. It was not large enough for three ring binders and such. So... uh, at the last minute, my wife asked if I'd be able to make something and crank it out. And I'm sure other people can sympathize with me. I have a tendency to what should be a relatively straightforward project and complexify to the point where it takes a long time to do. And this time I just went at it and ended up making a small bookcase that I felt turned out really cool. And I got to try some techniques on it and got the kids to help me in the shop and so we all had a good time and i'm very very pleased with it so there you go nice do you do you do what i do and measure your child's success in your shop by how many times you make them cry (laughs) (laughs) i think that's a good measure you should be a teacher yeah, <laughs> if, if they don't cry, like on times. the report card, you're just like, I made your kid cry like three times a day, so they're yeah. learning yeah. so much. Right. Uh, it's like so you know hard. what you can't, you can't, you can't hurt my feelings. I used to hold the flashlight for my dad. Oh yeah, that's you know, trial by fire. Not there. there. Don't yeah. point it there. Yeah, they're so heavy though. <laughs> <laughs> especially uh, when they give you the flashlight that has 12d batteries in it right i think i see the end of summer rolling in right like next week's supposed to be in the low 70s i feel like it's gonna start to be i feel like this year we were supposed because we all got extra shop time right because of the covid like i think everybody got everybody got to spend more time in their shop than they ever would have um, but I feel like we're rolling back into woodworking season. So, yeah, we'll wrap see. it up. 
Yeah. So I don't know what we're going to do. We've all been working all year. We have to find a way to step our game up for the fall. But So there's our poll question. If you have any projects that you have on your list that you want to try for the fall, we'd love to hear it. That would be kind of cool. So I think that wraps up another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, we'd love to have a good rating and review. So if you wouldn't mind writing those for us and helping us get out to more woodworkers. If you want, you can also check out the video version of the podcast on our YouTube channel and our show notes page at woodsmith.com slash podcast. We'll see you next week for another woodworking episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Bye, everybody. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Plans. You'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build. From furniture projects to gift projects, kitchen accessories, workshop projects, and jigs, and more. Find your next project at woodsmithplans.com.